everybody this morning. All right, are you ready for Christmas? All right, well, come on, stand up with us. We're kicking off our Christmas series this week. We're going to worship through some Christmas songs. Is that all right with you guys? No, you can worship through Christmas songs, right? Joy to the world. 
If you guys would just sing with me. We're going to sing about the child of Christ that came to this world, this world in an unusual way to be our Savior. Just sing these words with me. Child has been given the King of our freedom. Sing for the light has come. This is Christmas. Come and adore Him.
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, from grace and truth. Would you just join with me as we sing about this King? laying in a manger a king like this unto us is born a savior the light the light has come a king like this the highest name in the song of heaven born of flesh into our suffering the light, the light is come. He is Christ the for our forgiveness the light the light is
such a strange way to send a baby through a virgin virgin birth to grow up live a perfect life and then die for our sins we thank you so much for that God we thank you for what you've already done here in this place this morning God continue to move here move in our hearts and speak to us through Scott we just give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Christmas at Springwell. What do you think about the stage? Crazy. Yeah, give it up for Will Wright, our production director, and his team. Yeah. Johanna Parent, Michelle Rhodes, their team in the lobby, Katie and Brian next door. We're so excited that it's finally Christmas here, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later on. Uh, Christmas is uh, oftentimes a time when you can uh, look back. Uh, The song Janice sang a few minutes ago I thought was perfect. Look back and see how good God's been. This morning I was thinking about the, uh, the people on the stage and the fact that they're singing songs about how good God's been in the midst of uh, one of them's faced uh, countless illnesses this year and surgeries. One lost her mom this year. They continue to sing, not because life is perfect, but because God is good. And uh, this morning, I wanted to follow up on something Scott shared uh, just a few weeks ago. He uh, was very transparent on the stage and shared with you the struggles that this church has been through. It's nice to have a pastor who's willing to stand on stage and say, sometimes it's tough. And uh, yeah. So many of you have emailed and called and stopped by the office and said, oh my goodness, I want to get behind this mission called Springwell more than ever after hearing that story. And so thank you for those of you who who have emailed and talked to us about that. This morning, I wanted to share with you some, uh, some more encouraging news. Uh, Scott talked about how the church had gone through struggle, but had come out on the other side. And this morning, I wanted to read you a few stats. I know that stats probably don't mean a lot to some people. I'm kind of nerdy like that, so I really like it. Uh, And the reason that I like it is because uh, each stat I read to you is people. 
So many times we sit in this auditorium and we forget that next door there's boys and girls who uh, are broken, trying to protect them and teach them before they get to the place that a lot of us have gotten to. This morning I want to share with you some uh, family ministry stats. Over the last year in uh, children's ministry at 9 a.m., there's been a 3% increase in children's attendance, 3%. At 11 o'clock, there's been a 4% increase in attendance. Volunteers get this 25% increase from 2017 to 2018. And at 11 a.m., that was at 9, at 11 a.m., a 37.93% increase in volunteers in kids' ministry. Student ministry, the ministry itself, there's been a 29.41% increase over the last year. Yeah, that's crazy. And student volunteers, a 33.33% increase. And church-wide, from 2017 to today, that's a 14% increase in church attendance. Yeah. And here's why that matters. That means that 14% more people, do you understand that? 14% more people are hearing this transparency from a pastor that we get to hear every week. 14% more people are finding out the truth of who Jesus is for the first time. All of those stats for kids' ministry, those are real-life kids. You understand a 5%, a 30% increase, those are real people. We're hearing about Jesus. And it's because you serve, and it's because you give, and it's because you invite people that that happens. Last week, we started taking up this offering called 25 Days of Christmas Cheer, and it's really our offering that we use to go out into the community and just to pay for stuff for people, to randomly serve people. Yesterday, it all kicked off. and We went to Walmart, paid off layaways, bought some gift cards, paid for some Chick-fil-A for people. That's good. I paid some prescriptions, paid for stuff for people in line. We're going to be doing it for the next, what, 24 days, all the way up through Christmas Day. So many of you gave last week. On our first Sunday collecting this offering, we received $3,993. Thank you for giving to that. That's $3,993 that we're going to be spending this week on people who could uh, just use an extra hand. So thanks for doing that. Remember that the 25 days of Christmas cheer offering is above your regular offering. It's important that we don't forget that because every week people still come in here. We still have to pay our own power bill while we're paying other people's power bill. So make sure you not only give to 25 days of Christmas cheer, but that you also give to continue the ministry of Springwell. Thanks for doing that. There's a couple of ways you can give to this offering. You can give uh, in this envelope. It says 25 days of Christmas cheer on it. You can text the word Christmas in any amount to the number that's going to be on the screen in a minute or on the kiosk in the lobby. Just touch the word Christmas. You can give that way. We'll know that that's what it's for. And you can also give in all those different ways uh, to the regular offering of Springwell as well. If you're on the left of the road, you can uh, just pass that bucket to your right as we give this morning.
That was nice, wasn't it? Good morning. <clears throat> Are you pumped up? You excited about being here? Me too, me too. Uh, I, I do just want to tag to what David said about the 25 days of Christmas. Um, I, we're out there just giving money away. And here's the thing, and, and I know you're excited, and I, I appreciate you being excited about your church, but we're just, our deal is not just to go out and tell everybody this is Springwell Church doing this. Does that make sense? So uh, I'll go this afternoon, and the people that we go with, I'll look at them and say, we're going to do some incredible things, and you're going to be a part of that, and we're going to give money away. We're just not going to tell people who we are. Um, And it's, I'm stupid, probably. Uh, I, just, I just don't want it to be about us. I just don't want it to be about us. I don't want it to come across as though somehow we're trying to give uh, to draw attention to ourselves. What good is it if, if that's your motivation? If it's just some kind of church growth strategy or something like that, you know, it, it's, it, it loses its power for me. And so we, for the next uh, 24 days, what we have left, we'll just simply look at people, smile, and say, hey, man, we just want you to know there's a God. He's crazy about you. Um, and he loves you. And we'll be glad to talk to you about that if you want to talk. But, uh, you know, we're just here to, to, to bless you in some way. And sometimes that's needy people that really have nothing and they can't believe and it's a huge miracle. And there's sometimes people have literally looked and said, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need you to buy mine. And it's been really good for me to say, yeah, but you know what? You have a Heavenly Father, and it's not always about the deepest need. He just wants to bless you and say, I love you. And it's just His way of kind of doing that. And so we can be a part of that. And so, uh, again, so it's, it's a big secret. So it's a big old church secret. So we're going to do this, but we're just not going to tell the world that it's us doing it. I, don't, I have no desire to be on 6 o'clock news. None of those things uh, interest me at all. I just want to faithfully uh, just give and, and bless people. Is that good? Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> and then I just want to say a special thank you to, uh, to Jonathan uh, who he helped me the last series we did a little worship series and we did a little throwback to some old worship stuff and it was fun and he took two of those weeks for me and gave me the opportunity to do some studying and digging especially for the next few series that we're going to do uh, and so I just appreciate that and just heard that he knocked the ball out of the park did such a phenomenal job and I just want to say thank you to him And he's really smart. Uh, he's written two books. Why are y'all looking at me like that? Like, I didn't know he was that smart. <laughs> he's an incredibly, incredibly smart uh, young man. Uh, next up is the first book that, that he's written. And he's not going to walk around here and, and, you know, with a shirt on and beat his chest and tell you what he does. And, but I am so incredibly proud of him. I'm proud of him for what he does, but I'm, proud of, I'm most proud of Jonathan for who he is. And so for me, I know that when he stands up here, he's going to be prepared and he's going to be ready and he's, he's going to be studied. And I know all that, okay? That's, that's good. But, but from a pastor's heart, I know that he's going to love you well. And that means more to me than a lot of other stuff that, uh, that he could bring to the table. Does that make sense? So he's written a couple books. Uh, the first one is uh, next up. The second one is brand new, um, Be the Switch. And so he's got some books this morning. He's not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you that. And um, I think he almost has sold out of those books from the first service. You should have been the first service. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so he'll, we'll, we'll, make, we'll take care of that. He'll order whatever we need to do. I really, really strong, strongly encourage you uh, just, just to buy a book. Uh, it'll help you to know Jonathan better, to know how he thinks. It'll help you to know his heart. And so I just encourage you to, to, to support him. 
uh, I think that we should be incredibly proud, don't you? Uh, as a church, and we should just celebrate uh, what he's doing and, and where he's at. <clears throat> so, uh, one day there was a little boy in school and he was drawing a picture. I think probably because I was really mischievous when I was a kid. So I have in my head, I don't know if this is really a true part of the story, but I have in my head that he was probably drawing a picture when he should have been paying attention. Y'all with me? Kind of like, that would be me. I would be like over in the corner doodling and drawing. And so anyway, the teacher walks up and she looks at him and she says, what are you drawing? He said, without hesitation, with confidence. He looks at her and says, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, you can't draw a picture of God. Nobody knows what, what God looks like. I mean, you know, you can't, there's no way. You can't possibly draw a picture of God. To which, again, the little boy, without hesitation, he replied, he said, well, when I'm done, they'll know. Let me tell you what I've learned over the years. I've learned that people have different views of God. Let me tell you what I've learned. Because you can be in a church on a Sunday morning, you can say, yeah, those, those heathens out there, they got all kind of different gods, and they serve and worship different gods. You know the strangest people to me, that I, the strangest views of God that I've heard are from the strangest people that I know, and that's church people. Are you with me? I mean, literally, I have really spent the last, I don't know, 30 years of my life, 35 years, 40 years of my life, really trying to process and figure out who God is. And what I learned, that a lot of the stuff that I learned in church, not necessarily that it was taught to me from the Bible, but it was people's ideas of who God, who God really is. And what I've learned is, man, we are really screwed up when it comes to understanding who God is. Now, this time of year for a lot of people, God is just a sweet little baby Jesus in the manger, right? And so we get all sentimental. We got the fireplace going, which is awesome, by the way. I want to walk over and just kind of warm up, don't you? And so we have that particular view of God. And while God was a baby in a manger, he is so much more than that. And I got to be honest, I'm really, really passionate about this series because what I want to do in this series is be able to introduce us to who God is. And I want us to do, I want us to go old school. I want us to be vintage. In other words, I want us to go back to the Old Testament. And, and that's going to be difficult for us as finite human beings to be able to wrap our brain around an infinite God. Hello, are you with me? It's, it's tough, right? And let me just say right off, the, right off the bat, I mean, do you want a God you can figure out? I don't want a God you can figure out. I mean, to say that, you know, that I might be able to figure him out might be one thing, but I don't want a God that somebody else can put in a box and tell me who he is. Because what I've learned over the last 30 years of my life is that God is so much bigger than my box. He's so much more than I could possibly comprehend. But the Bible does help us. And one of the things that the Old Testament does is the Old Testament gives us these names for God. There's a lot of different names for God. But this morning, we're going to start with looking at his, like, most famous name. That name occurs some 6,519 times in the Bible. That's a lot. Right? Anybody know what the name might be? Jehovah. Some of y'all failed the test. Jehovah, yeah, the, the name, the, God's like most famous name in the Bible is Jehovah. 
And maybe the best place to understand the meaning of this name, for me at least, is Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, we find Moses struggling with his calling. Anybody else? You're a follower of Jesus. You've been doing the Jesus thing for a while. But come on, let's just be honest. Have you ever just like struggled with God? Like, what are you calling me to do? I thought this is what you want me to do. I'm pretty sure this is what you want me to do. But today I'm not quite. Anybody? Raise your hand. The rest of you are lying. Because uh, are you just saying live long enough yet? Right? I mean, that's just because we get to that place. How many of you just say, I wish I had a purpose to struggle with? I don't even know what my purpose is. And some of you are kind of there. Well, that's where Moses was. He was struggling with his call. Anyway, let me give you a little background of the story of Moses. Moses was born in Egypt during a period of time where uh, the Hebrews uh, became a real threat to the Egyptians. Here's the reason why. They were a threat simply due to their massive number. And so this Pharaoh, this Egyptian king, said, I've got to do everything I can to be able to reduce that number. So he said, I'm going to kill all of the male baby boys. All the Hebrew male baby boys. And so Moses' mama, being the good mama that she was, she placed him in a little waterproof basket and she hid him in the tall grasses of the Nile, obviously to save his life. She would rather, and that's the instinct of a mother, isn't it? It's the love of a mama. That a mama would love your child so much that you would rather give that child away and that child live and to spare that child's life than for you to hold on to the child and the child die. So, Little baby Moses is hid in the grasses of the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter and some of her servants come down to the Nile to, uh, to bathe. And they hear this, this baby crying in the bushes. And so she found this little baby boy and she, she rescues him because it was her desire, it was her dream. She, she longed for a child. And God provided in a very unconventional kind of way but there's this child and she actually is the one who named him Moses and some of you even if you've been in church for a long time may not know that the, the name Moses actually means drawn from the water and I love it when that happens everybody goes huh hmm, that's cool yeah there you go and so uh, he's brought up kind of with a silver spoon in his mouth as an adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter as he grew up, however, he realized that, you know what, I'm different. I'm not the same. My heritage is different. And he would see these slaves, and he became connected to the people to which he was related. And he understood his Hebrew roots, and he loved these people. He had a heart and a passion for these people. He's been raised in a king's lavish lifestyle. He's privileged. He's got everything in the world that you could possibly want. But as he looks at his people, they're... They're beaten down. They're, they're living in slavery. They're barely existing. In fact, he had such a love for his own people that one day as he watches an Egyptian taskmaster brutally beating a Hebrew slave, impulsively, he lashes out in anger and he kills that Egyptian. And so now, are you following the story? He was a Hebrew. He was hid in the waters. And then God, it was a miraculous kind of thing that happens and he's taken into Pharaoh's own house the very Pharaoh that orders that the babies the Hebrew babies be killed and it's a phenomenal story and now he has lashed out in murder and now he has to run he has to run from the very home the privileged home that he was raised in and so now he finds himself out in the shepherd out 
in the middle of the desert as a shepherd, a stinking shepherd. So for 40 years, 40 years, he's been out in the desert as a shepherd. Not four days, not, not four weeks, not four months, but for 40 years, he's been out in this desert I don't know what went through his mind. Maybe initially he was scared. Is somebody going to come looking for me? I don't know everything that went through his mind, but I do want to know what happens in Exodus chapter 3. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jephro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. I think sometimes the Bible is funny. It says... Moses stared in amazement. I guess it's just me. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I would too. I'm just saying, you know. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why is it the bush burning up? I'm, i got to go see what it is. I must go see it. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, here's Moses for decades has been out in the same desert doing the same thing for 40 years. He's been out in the same desert doing the same thing, looking at the same old bushes for 40 years. When suddenly, something's different. And so he goes to investigate. And I'm thinking to myself, you're either going to go investigate or you're going to run. Let's just be honest. How many of you are thinking, I ain't going near that bush? For me, I mean, honestly, I read the story and I thought, dude, he's crazy. I mean, I don't know what's in the Bible, I know it's a true story, but I'm thinking to myself, if, if I see some burning bush and it's being, not being consumed, I'm thinking, I'm probably going to wait and let somebody else tell me how it went, you know? I'm going to go back to the house. And so something didn't make sense to him. Maybe there's something in your life right now that doesn't quite make sense. You know, I've been doing this a long time, even raised up in church. And I have to be honest, every single time I've been raised in church, this has always been the burning bush experience, right? And how many of you would love to say, I'd believe in God if he, like I had a burning bush, right? Come on, raise your hand, it's okay. Because I did that for a number of years. I said, God, if you'd show up in a burning bush, if I would hear you speak to me in a burning bush, I mean, like if you parted the Red Sea, I would believe. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed. And mostly what I've heard in my life was the negative slant on it. That it would be, you know, it's, it's in the car accident. It's, it's in death. It's in some traumatic event. That's the burning bush, and that's from which God speaks. This is not a traumatic event. This is not a negative experience. It's an experience with God. And I think if I've learned anything in my life, and Karen and I are very grateful people, and we... There's probably not a single day that goes by. We decorated this weekend, and we stand back, and we look, and we go, wow, God, you're so incredibly good. And what I've learned in my life is that God just doesn't speak in the traumatic, but he also speaks in the amazing miracles of everyday life with the blessings of what he gives us. It's not just the negative experiences. It's also the beauty of everyday miracles. Then it says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him in the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Again, I think this is funny. He says, here am I. Y'all didn't think that was funny. I, like God didn't know. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure if a voice speaks to you through a burning bush, you don't have to go, oh, over here. Again, I guess that's just me. I thought it was funny. Laughed all to myself in my house by myself. Here I am, Moses replied. And so there happens this little conversation. I think it was a neat conversation as it starts between Moses and God. And God said, I've seen my people. For 400 years, I've heard the cry of my people that have been in Egyptian slavery. So it's not like something that just happened in the last few days. But no, 400 years, my people have been crying out to me. I've seen their pain and I've seen their hurt. And Moses, I have a plan. And, and Moses has to be thinking, right, I mean, finally. I mean, I've been praying and praying and praying. They've been praying and praying and praying. My, my parents were praying and praying. Their parents. And so this goes on for generation after generation after generation. And so his heart has got to leap, you know, for joy to think, finally, there's going to be a deliverance. Sweet. And then the conversation turns just a little. And God says, now go. I wonder if like Moses went, <laughs> who's talking to? Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. And, and Moses at this point, he just, he says, I mean, what? I don't know. I mean, like it's good that you've been listening to our people pray and they've been in bondage, but I don't know if you realize it or not. The reason I'm out here is because I killed a man. Now, I'm just going to go back and say, oh, yeah, I'm back. What you going to do? I mean, God spoke to me through a burning bush. I mean, like, it's got, there's got to be, like, more to it than that, right? I mean, it's like, who in the world am I? Who, who am I to go to these people? And then the people themselves are going to say, you took, you know, you, you ran. I mean, you were with us and then you ran. Who died and made you boss? There had to be this confusion for him. What am I supposed to tell him? So here we start with this name thing. God replied to Moses, I love this. I am who I am. What? Say this to the people of Israel. Just tell them. Tell them that I am. Some of you have heard it. Tell them the great I am is the one who sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's the one. That's the one who's, who sent you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all those generations. And so there's this name. The name is Jehovah. And he, he says, I am who I am. And it's important because God himself is he's speaking to Moses. And here's, here's the most important thing that, that I want you to get is that he's, he's revealing an aspect of himself. I am the great I am. So what does the name mean? Well, I did a little research. According to Easton's Bible Dictionary, the name means... The unchanging, eternal, self-existent God. Whoa. So that's like huge. So what's, what's in a name? I think that for me at least, growing up early in church, I think my 
understanding of Jehovah was that he was the unchanging, self-existent God, but that he was cold, he was aloof, he was, he was like the force. May the force be with you that he's somewhere way up in heaven, but he's mostly detached from those of us that are on planet earth. He's, he's bigger than we are, he's smarter than we are, he's, he's righteous and we're not, and that there was a separation. What this name does is it makes God, the self-existent, unchanging God, it makes him personal. He's a personal God who has emotions and intellect and will, and he longs to be in a relationship with us. And this is huge because this is what God's been doing in my life. And, and, and you know, you go through seasons. I go, I've seen in my life, I've witnessed in my life as, as I've gone through seasons in my own relationship with God. And, and I find that sometimes on a Sunday I'm trying to pull y'all along with me. You know what I mean? Because here's the greatest question. How do, you, how do you enter into a relationship with God? I mean, the unchanging, self-existent, huge God, the creator of the universe. How, how do you have this personal, intimate relationship with a God that can seem like he's so far away sometimes? Well, I think Exodus 33 gives us a pretty good idea. Exodus 33, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meetings, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents, and they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went in the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover over its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Hang on, because this is going to get good. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tents, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Hang on. As one speaks to a friend. Now, this I don't know what that does for you. I don't know what your church background is. But for me, growing up in church, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament were almost two entirely different gods. The God in the Old Testament was big. And honestly, he was just mean. Life was cheap in the Old Testament. He would zap you in a skinny minute. I mean, you just tick him off, he would fry you with a bolt of lightning. I mean, there's one place in Scripture where 3,000 people died in one day. So let me just say, I didn't want to read the Old Testament. I thought, I don't want to know the God of the Old Testament. I don't want to jump into the New Testament. I want the God of mercy and grace. I want the little sweet baby Jesus in the manger. And what I was taught was wrong. It was just wrong. It's the same God. He hasn't changed. And this is so incredibly sweet for me. This is the Old Testament. And he met face to face with Moses and he spoke to him as one would speak to a friend. Man, I just think that's awesome. He continues to say, One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me to take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. You've told me I know you by name and that I look favorably on you if it's true that you look favorably on me. Notice what he says. Let me know your ways. I, I want to know you. I want to know your ways so that I can, so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy 
your favor. So here's the response that Jehovah gives to Moses' request. He says, the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name Yahweh before you. And I will show you mercy. To, I will show mercy to anyone I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look different, directly into my, at my face. For no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. Do you follow the story at all? Remember I told you in the beginning that, that, that Moses, he's seen a lot. By the time you get to Exodus 33, he's seen a lot. He, he was rescued as a baby, and while he probably didn't remember that, he was told this is what happened. You would have surely died, but God spared your life, and you were adopted by, by Pharaoh's daughter, and you were raised in the palace. You had the most phenomenal upbringing that, that you can imagine, and then you killed the guy. And he, remember, he killed that guy, and then he had to go to the desert. But then there was the burning bush experience, right? And so the burning bush experience was awesome. And God said, I want you to go back, and, and I want you to, I'm going to use you to, to set my people free. And so he goes back to Egypt, and then he, he, he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, cool. No, he didn't. In fact, he said, he said, who are you? And so then there was these 10 plagues. And if you don't know what the 10 plagues are, you need to go back because they're like, wow. I love the 10 plagues because, I mean, I like it really. I really like it when God shows up and does something miraculous. But when he does it 10 times, come on, don't look at me like that. You're with me, right? Yay, God. So then, so then you know, there's 10, these 10 miracle plagues. Pharaoh lets the, lets the children of Israel go, and then, and then he regrets letting the people go, and then he starts after the children of Israel. So they get to the Red Sea. You remember the Red Sea? Even if you haven't been in church, you probably heard the story of the Red Sea, right? Some people say it's the Reed Sea. The Red Sea, he drowned a bunch of Egyptians in knee-deep water. I don't care. Personally, it doesn't matter. It was a miracle. So he parts the Red Sea, and the children of Israel cross over on dry land, and then they watch as their enemy is defeated. It's amazing, isn't it? But that wasn't enough for Moses. He said, Lord, the miracles are cool. Thankful for the miracles. But what I want is you. I've experienced miracles in my life. I'm very grateful for the miracles. I'm thankful for the miracles. But I'd rather know the miracle worker than to just have a miracle. That's the sweet part of where I'm at in my life. That's why I love doing what I do. That's why I get so excited about telling people about, about God. And not just a God, not just Jehovah God, not just a self-existent God, not just an unchanging God but a God that wants to be personal and to have a relationship. And that relationship, man, it'll change you. I think, I think too many people stop at the bush. I think the temptation is to get so caught up in the burning bush that we miss hearing the voice coming from the burning bush. 
God will come as intimately close to us as possible. How? If we just ask Him. That's the point of the passage. It's, it's amazing to me that uh, God, who's the unchanged and eternal, self-existent God, wants to be in a relationship with the ever-changing mere mortals like us. Isn't it? Isn't it almost too much to wrap your brain around that He would do such a thing? In other words, nothing outside of God contributed to His existence. Nothing. All of us exist because we were created. Hello? Y'all follow me? We wouldn't be here if we didn't have parents because they were, we are. And they wouldn't have been if they hadn't had parents. And then, you know what, there's, there's the whole parent thing. There's that whole deal. And then it's, it's more complicated than that because if we didn't have oxygen, we couldn't exist, right? I mean, if suddenly we could just flip a switch right now and suck all the oxygen out of this room, we'd die. And then you have to, we have to have food and water. Chili cheese. That is God's food right there, I'm just saying. <laughs> Laugh if you want to. We need something. We're dependent. God is independent. And yet what He desires is to be in a relationship with people like us. It's crazy. Can I be honest with you? It doesn't really make any sense. It's hard to figure out. But let me say this. When you experience it, you feel His presence, when you've been with Him, when you've talked with Him, not just the miracle stuff, but when you've been with Him, <laughs> nothing compares to it. So let me ask you, as a follower of Jesus, have you missed it? Did you maybe just stop at the burning bush of salvation? I mean, was that enough for you? Wow. The love of God. There's so much more. I was raised to think if you just show up at church on Sunday, done your daily duty you know you've done your weekly thing I mean God's proud of you you went to church on Sunday folks oh, that is like so not it it's what church does it's what's hanging out with other followers of Jesus that we love each other that we encourage each other that we help each other in that intimate walk with Jesus just showing up that ain't that ain't it patting yourself on the back, throwing a couple bucks in the old bucket as it's passed? No. It's having a relationship that's real. And just so you know, the unchurched folks that I talk to, that's what they love to see in us. They don't want to hear about our religion. What they want to see is a relationship. And that even even when things don't go well for us, is it somehow it's the relationship that's the stabilizing force. And we can smile and say it's okay. 
Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. I just want you to know that uh, Jehovah, this self-existing, unchanging God, is absolutely crazy about you. And what He wants is a relationship with you. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He just wants you. And so He provided a way. So there's a problem. There's this gulf that separates us from God, right? We all kind of know it. It's that sin thing. Even if you're not a churchy person, you know that there's this thing that separates you. And God said, I know. And I've got to take care of the sin problem. That's the purpose of Jesus. So Jesus was God's son. And he went to the cross. And on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of our sin. He shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. It's a crazy story. I mean, it really is a crazy story. But it's the truth. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I, I love the guy I talked to recently, uh, agnostic. And he, he said, I want to believe. I want to believe. I love conversations with honest people. So maybe you're finally to that point. You're not a follower of Jesus, but now you're ready to believe. If that's you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. Maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this. Maybe you'd say, Heavenly Father, wow. Um, that you would love somebody like me, God, is, is crazy. It's a crazy story. That you would want to be personal. You're large and in charge and you're unchanging and you're self-existent and yet somehow you want to be in a relationship with somebody like me and I'm just grateful and by faith I'm going to accept it and this morning I'm just asking you to forgive me of my sin and to the best of my ability I just want to surrender my life to you Father uh, Thank you for allowing us to do what we do every week, Lord. And that is just to be able to share the incredible love of Jesus with people that I believe are so eager and ready and willing to listen. We love you. And it's in your sweet name we pray.